0: Hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life, or to get in touch, one of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. It's great to be here on Mother's Day. Did the mothers get a bag? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's yes. a bit of Funny play on. Language there. They're new bags, not old bags, just saying. <laughs> I have a, yeah, I dislike kind of words, which is, I'm actually going to be speaking this morning on the power of language. Um, and when I was preparing for the message, I thought, oh yeah, it's Mother's Day, so I need to think about um, some fun facts or something interesting about Mother's Day. And so this is what kind of, the first thing on my Google search that came up. Um, The African black eagle typically will lay two eggs. After they hatch, the mother will feed just one of the chicks. The other chick is usually pecked to death by the other chick while the mother looks on. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) The mother who gives birth to the largest baby on earth is a mother elephant. After enduring 22, 22 months of pregnancy, she gives birth to a blind 90kg calf. Welcome to Mother's Day. A mother koala will feed her baby her own feces. Baby koalas, or joeys, haven't developed the intestinal bacteria that help detoxify the highly poisonous eucalyptus leaves, which are a koala's main diet. Gross. Here's a good one. Polar bear mums put on around 180 kgs during their pregnancy. Oh, who's done that? <laughs> if the mother does, if she does not double, here, anyone pregnant, if, if the mother does not double her weight, her body will simply reabsorb the fetus. Yeah, interesting facts. Mother's Day is second after Christmas for the most popular day for buying flowers. And also in New Zealand we spend $265 million on gifts on Mother's Day. Wow. I can't wait to go home and see <laughs> <laughs> You know, the thing that is really cool about Mother's Day um, is you hear... A lot of language um, about how great my mum is, or Nico rang me this morning for Mother's Day. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day, Mum. And there's a lot of encouragement around Mother's Day. Um, A lot of, um, you know, special things that you perhaps wouldn't necessarily um, say until it's Mother's Day, which is a shame. But you know, it's it's an encouraging time for mothers. And um, I was reading the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters, so it doesn't take very long, and you can read through it. And it's the most, it's a really encouraging book. Um, it's written by um, Paul to the Philippians. And, um, you know, Paul had a dramatic change um, and became um, a follower of Christ. But what happened um, from that moment is he had um, s- severe illnesses, poverty, um, he was beaten, uh, and he actually uh, ended up in prison. So once he became Christian, his life didn't just go smoothly. You know how like we often think that that will you know get saved, everything we will be happy, and yay! But no, this wasn't the case. Yet when you read his book, it is full of encouragement and total contentment. And I just thought, what's going on here? So I kept reading, reading through, and and then I thought. I wonder if this is what Paul's cell would have looked like. Can we just throw up one of these slides? Probably had this, Philippians 4.8. Probably had it on a cell wall. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, re- reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Yep. You might have had this, Philippians 4.13. Who knows this one? Yeah. Everyone, right? Well, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people know this one. Um, I'm not sure what version I put that in. Uh, It is, um, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but this is a slightly different version. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. How can you not? If this is what you're meditating on, if this is what God's birthed in your spirit. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns before you know it. A sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. That, those were all from the message um, version, if you were like, oh, it sounds a little bit different. How did someone like Paul manage to write such an encouraging letter? Well, as a lot of you um, will know, I really enjoy um, learning about the brain and how the brain works. And Paul actually is um, practicing a lot of neurological processes in rewiring the brain. And for everything that he's been through, he can still say such incredibly encouraging things yeah. because it becomes really easy when you've been beaten down by life and there's trauma and there's negativity that's constantly thrown at you to have a mindset that aligns with that particular circumstance, right? Yeah? yeah? yeah. yeah. Okay. So how does Paul, sitting in a cell after everything he's gone through, how's he able to say these things? Well, it's something that the Word talks about um, and it's called... Transformation, yeah. being renewed, if we've got um, Romans twelve two, and do not be conformed by this world any longer than it is super, with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So I've just written down some things that I. So I, because maybe not everyone in here's read Philippians or not everyone here uh, knows about what the type of person that Paul was like. But just give me. Um, I've, I've pulled out some sentences that really spoke to me um, about his attitude, and this is what he says. Um, and every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. Each exclamation is a trigger to prayer. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep it at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the on the very day Christ Jesus appears. It's not at all uh, fanciful for me to think this way about you. My prayers and hopes have deep roots in reality. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. This is a man who's stuck in prison, yeah. who's got death waiting for him. So how am I to respond? I've decided that I really don't care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Jeez, that would help um, some of us today. You know, I, I don't, I'm not really cared. I'm just gonna keep on doing what I know that I'm called to do. As long as I'm alive in this body, there is good work for me to do. If I had a choice right now, I hardly know which I'd choose. Hard choice. He's talking about life or death here. To live as Christ, but to die as gain. Do everything readily and cheerfully. Steer clear of barking dogs, those religious busybodies. And he says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. This is um, a man that had to test his heart. And he had to test his heart by using his head really wisely. And I think that until we know how to use our head wisely, we get buffeted around by the effects of language. Because of, not because of what people have said to us, but because how it's processed yeah. photographer in <laughs> our brain. Yeah. Take good photos, next. <laughs> I was thinking this morning in worship, because obviously I knew I was bringing this word, and um, I was thinking, wow, all those songs, your goodness is running after me. Um, now I've just gone blank, you know. You're uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, this is my testimony from death to life. Grace wrote my story. I'll testify. You know, sometimes you come to church and you, and you don't um, you don't feel like singing those things because right in this particular circumstance, in this moment, this is not your reality. It's not how you feel, and so then those um, those feelings impact your choices on whether you'll sing them or not. And then if you and it, that can be really hard. Um, And then if you can't sing them, your your brain doesn't process the words and you don't get the full release of what those words are actually doing. Yes, we're here to praise God, but God is so amazing. Mm. He goes, yes, I know that you're here praising me, but at the same time, I'm going to release freedom over you in Jesus' name. Uh, Kathy King writes in her book, Transforming the thinking realm is enabled by the change of perceptions, self-talk, language, and core beliefs. It enables people to make wise choices which impacts on behaviour and provides pathways for healthy relationships. Rewriting the script and changing behaviour are key components of emotional and spiritual health. So while we're Christians, it's really important to have spiritual health, that we um, read the Word, you know, we can we can, um, we can can practice those things because they seem relatively easy. Okay, I've got to pray, I've got to read the Word, um, I, I come to church, I need to fellowship, I, I need to, Or well, what Paul says, you know, think on those things that are, are good and, and noble and gracious. But what does it mean to be emotionally healthy? How do I do that? Well, the Word talks about it, but sometimes we just need a little bit of a unpick to help us find it because this is what paul says exactly the same as kathy i'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true noble reputable authentic compelling and gracious the best not the worst the beautiful not the ugly things to praise not things to curse who knows an encourager who, who knows someone who just encourages how good are they to be around that's not my natural tendency. Um, I have a gift of perception, which can have a slight negative lean towards it, which can be quite frustrating. So, so I have to be really careful um, to to look for the good things, and that can be um, a challenge for me. So, if we look at Kathy's um, little paragraph here, transforming the thinking realm is enabled by change of perception, so the change of perception, have you ever perceived someone wrongly? <laughs> <Yeah. Eesh. laughs> um, an example was, for me, um, someone, I, I didn't even know I'd done this, um, but I was worship leading one morning and I only had a very small gap and I had to race to the bathroom um, before I needed to be back on stage. And someone said hello to me, and I still haven't seen them or heard them say hello. And I was so focused on what I was doing in in the morning and uh, worship leading and thinking about songs and things like that. Um, I came back to the bathroom, came back, you know, did everything that was fine. And then about three or four months later, this person came up to me and she said, um, "I just need you to know that um, one morning, this is what happened, and you totally ignored me." And I was like. I did because I didn't even see you I had no idea and she said from that time she would always thought that I was quite um, aloof and rude um, and so her perception because of that situation um, had cha- had changed her but I'm so grateful that she had the courage to come and talk to me and say did you know this happened and I was like oh man if I was, if I was worship leading I would have no idea. But now I am more thoughtful mm-hmm. around that time mm-hmm. um, and making sure that I do take the time most of the time. That's what I try to do. Mm-hmm. So we can perceive wrongly. We can perceive fear and danger because of our own past experiences when perhaps that's not correct. Self-talk. I, I did some self-talk on Saturday you think your word's going to be okay? <laughs> Maybe you should change it. I don't think this is probably the best thing to do. Um, you should have probably spent some more time reading. Who's had self-talk? <laughs> if you, you, everyone has, it's actually just something, so everyone has self-talk. What's that, love? Every oh, preacher. Yeah, everyone has self-talk. I'll tell you a, bit, a little bit about that. But the, the interesting thing is, um, is it's always slanted negatively. So when I caught that, which is really important skill to practice, is when you catch yourself talk. Um, I thought, oh, you rascal, and I changed it. And I said, tomorrow you're going to be amazing. And um, if, and for a Kiwi okay. who um, isn't really keen on, um, you know, is too worried about pride okay. and. Um, you know, inflating one's ego, it can be quite challenging. So I was like, you're going to be amazing tomorrow. God has placed this word on your heart for this very reason. Yeah. And um, you—and I was thinking of all these things. And by the time I got out of the car to go home, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be great. <laughs> but if you don't keep practicing that, yeah. the, the little worm would keep sneaking back in. And suddenly you're feeling this big again, wondering why you should even be speaking on stage. Language. Transforming the thinking realm is enabled by the change of perception, self-talk, language. I got taught about five or six years ago about language and um, how important language is in any situation, so I'm quite, I listen to people's language, it's part of my other job that I do, so I listen really carefully to language, because it, um, it opens up and expresses a lot about the person that you're listening to, and um, it's also, um, often we can catastrophise or make things a lot worse than what they actually are, so like, he always does that, and my favourite thing to say to one of my kids is, always does he always do that oh no not always it's just too hard it's too hard yeah. i can't do it it's impossible no that is absolutely impossible now i come from a family um, that likes to exaggerate on one side of my family not yours Mum. the other side and so it's great when they're telling you that you're awesome because you're just amazing and you're just so wonderful and you can do anything and that's great. But at the same time when you've got um, negativity yeah. that's building in your brain, um, it, beca- it can also overinflate who you are, yeah. which is not a, a great one. And also uh, then it becomes, oh that's just too hard, it's just too much. What you need to do is change those words yeah. and say this is difficult. Um, Rather than saying, this is absolutely impossible, I could never do it. I said, this this is, this will be hard, mm. but I think I can do it. Mm. And just those small changes in language makes an absolute huge difference on whether you will or whether you won't. Mm. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Oh. So. Core beliefs. So if we're looking at transforming our thinking, our core beliefs... You know, we can believe things that aren't even true. I was shocked when um, I had that revelation. But then when I thought about it, I um, I thought about, you know when you first become born again, and you're like, the lights come on, and you're like, I didn't even know that this was a thing. And I've believed this my entire life. I've believed this lie my entire life. I believed that because I was a Catholic, I was going to heaven. That was a core belief that I held. That would have been really awkward on the day that I died. (laughs) I'm Catholic. Where's my pass? That would have um, been a challenge. Mm. But that was a core belief, and so I didn't really understand why um, I would need to have a saviour, because I just got in by being a particular denomination. But there are plenty of core beliefs. Oh, actually, I can't remember where I heard this example, um, there was a lady who roasted uh, every Christmas, had this huge ham, and um, she would cut a quarter off it um, and then cook it in the oven. And then, years later, her daughter um, did the same, and so she cut a quarter off it and then gave it to the dog or whatever and put the rest in the oven. And one of her kids said, Why? Why did you why do you cut a quarter of that ham off? Like it's such a waste. And she said, Oh, well, that's what my mum did, so mm-hmm. that's what I do. And she thought, Oh, well, I'm gonna ask mum. And she said so she, the, the lady went and asked her mum, why do you cut off the a quarter of the ham? And she said, Well, our ovens were so much smaller, and so I couldn't get the whole thing out. <laughs> so I think it was the last time she cut it. Um, But they're your core beliefs, so you can go along doing life, doing these crazy things, and often they're the really obvious things that everybody else can see, but you can't. So language. Back to um, language. Language involves reading and listening. And it Well, there's also body language, um, but reading and listening, and initially it's processed through sight for reading and hearing through listening. And then um, it goes to the area of processing of what's being said, and this is the perception area of the brain, and it may not give us a true re- read or tr- true reality of actually what's being said, because this is transmitted through the emotional brain. So we have an emotional brain in a rational or intelligent brain. And unfortunately, the quickest way for us to process is through our emotional brain, which is at the back of our head. And in the emotional brain, um, what is being said has levels of fear, grief, loss, injustice, hurt or anger. So the words that people say to us is filtrated through that part of our brain that then puts these different feelings or emotions onto. So have you've ever been in a space where a group of people are talking and then someone says, and the person leaves and someone goes, I can't believe she said that. That was just the most awful thing I've ever heard someone say. And everyone else is going, really? I didn't hear anything awful. Have you ever experienced that? So that is because of the circumstance, the situation the layers of fear or trauma that that particular person's emotional brain has layered onto the words that were spoken. And So what we want to do is just say, oh, that's not a very nice person, but rather look into ourselves and say, what's been going on in me? What's my trauma? What's my fear that has changed what's been said? Unfortunately, um, this happens for children and teenagers, because their brains haven't developed yet until about 26 or 27. So that's why you just want to, um, sometimes, with your teenager, <laughs> or um, children. They're like, how did you not hear that? How is that not computing? Well, actually, because their brain um, isn't fully developed, and so they don't accurately assess the situation. And sometimes you think, man, teenage teenagers do some crazy things. Well, they haven't got consequences quite built in yet either. Um, and then they assess things totally different. I also want to talk about a little bit more about self-talk. So there's an area in your brain called the Broca's area, and that's where self-talk is. And it's that internal dialogue, and it impacts your personal thinking, your situation, and your emotional health. Have I have done this. Have you ever... Um, thought or meditated on something that has been bad or sad and it's, inf- and it's totally changed your, your outlook. Yeah, totally. Um, so now I say to myself, is this helping or harming me? Is this helping or harming? Am I thinking about this particular situation? Is this helping me or is this harming me? If it's harming me, I've got to stop it. And it's grabbing those thoughts as quickly as you can, particularly in the self-talk area. The, you know, who knows how many words a female has to speak each day? Anyone? (laughs) What is it? (laughs) Philip? Anyone, anyone other than Phil, that said too many, which is, again, is an example of a catastrophization of massiveness. (laughs) Anyone got an idea of how many words women speak? Uh, twenty. Who said twenty? Someone said twenty. I think they did. Oh, twenty-three thousand. Oh, your wife must have an extra three. But yeah, she must be above average. So have yeah, twenty. And we'll give Liz twenty-three. And um, men. One. <laughs> Morning. Seven. Seven thousand words. <laughs> I know. Quite a big gap, isn't it? Quite a big gap. Here's, here's some interesting uh, news. Our self talk. Who wants to guess how much self talk words we have? Too many. How much? 120. 120. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. um, wow. <laughs> you are <a> special, Steve. <laughs> Cl- close, but not that much. Anyone want to guess? It is, oh, oh r- 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 close, 50,000. Do you know that then equates to 100 to 130 words per minute of self-talk. And what's scary is we don't realise it's happening. Because we're, we're so used to it. And so there's self-talk. Like I've got self-talk right now. 100 to 130 words or thoughts a minute of self-talk that is constantly going in our brain. And then other people come and say things and it shoots through into our emotional brain and then we decide, oh, how's this gonna make us feel? And oh no, this makes me feel awkward or this makes me feel um, scared because of what happened to me in my past. And then, I, and then when by the time I process it, it was never come out as the intention of how it was said. And then I internalize it and I have self-talk about it. She really doesn't like me. She's this, she's that. So how did Paul write these letters of influence and encouragement and contentment um, when he was, you know, well, he had, um, I'm assuming he had soldiers and some prisoners to talk to from time to time. But what what made him change? What made him have self-talk or what made him um, not become a victim of a circumstance? Well, I think it's gratitude and thankfulness. Here are some things that um, create new, pa- uh, that's that, that great about gratitude and thankfulness. And all the songs we sang this morning were about um, gratitude and thankfulness. And it changed how I felt this morning, because I, um, I always get nervous when I'm on stage. And so then for those um, 20 minutes of worship, I didn't feel um, nervous, because my total focus was on God. So gratitude and thankfulness creates new pathways and rewires the brain. So great news, don't feel like you're stuck in a particular mold. I've always been this way, I'll never change. Your brain can be rewired and not surgically. I mean, like you can change the pathways in your brain. It recharges neurons. Thankfulness is creative. It boosts the immune system, it settles stress, it harmonises the emotional brain and eases anxiety. So what, when we're, what that means is that when we're um, stressed out, or um, we're feeling a certain way, our other side of our brain, our rational brain, can actually say, right, pull it together, let's actually look at the facts. And that's typically what, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but that's typically what they talk about, um, men, you know, facts, women emotion. It's not its not that way and we can have a split in that, um, but that's thats why sometimes um, men processing seem to be more, hmm, seem to be different at it than women I would say. Oh, well done. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Um, gratitude and thankfulness build into our long-term happiness and contentment. So you think about Paul, you know, his his letters are full of encouragement. It increases self-esteem. It improves relationships. So not surprisingly, um, there is a neurological benefit to praise and worship. There was a um, study done uh, on people who on a, a happiness and contentment scale. And so what they did is they had people come in, they had three groups. One group was um, that they would write down something, um, of all the things that they liked about someone in particular, who had, they were really grateful or thankful for. Then there was another group of people who they got to do the same thing, but then they would ring that person and tell them what they'd written down. And then there was another group of people who would write down all the things that they weren't happy about. So, um, <coughs> obviously, the people who wrote down things that they weren't happy about, they left worse off than when they arrived. The people who wrote down the things um, that they were grateful for about a particular person, their happiness um, scale uh, increased about 5 to 10 percent. No, probably 10 to 15 percent, sorry. Then the people who write down those things and then call to the person, um, their happiness scale doubled to 60%, 50 to 60% um, because of gratitude and then sharing it um, with someone. And so I, the person who they were grateful for, and I think about Mother's Day and what a great opportunity it is um, you know, for you children to tell your mothers how amazing they are. This is what Paul did in his, in his book to the Philippians. I plan according to Jesus' plan to send you to send Timothy to you. So he's written down about how grateful he is about Timothy. And then he's telling the Philippians, Oh, how that will do my heart good. I have no one quite like Timothy. He is loyal and genuinely concerned for you. And now he writes about um, uh, Ep- Epaphroditus. And he says, I'm dispatching Epaphroditus so you can see why I'm so delighted to send him on to you. When you see him again, strong and strapping, how you'll rejoice and how received I'll, uh, I'll be. Give him a grand welcome, a joyful embrace. People like him deserve the best you can give. The thing I love about Paul is that he has really used his head, his logical brain, his rational brain, to assess his feelings and where he's at. Um, and and, and has, he's even written this, you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we need some intelligence around what we think and how we say. So you know what? I decided to write about who I was grateful for today. And because, as Mother's say, I've chosen to write about my mum. And I will try and do this without looking at her. <laughs> I am grateful for my mum. She's the strongest woman I know. She is resilient and loves her family unconditionally. She gave everything of herself to be a young mum. She gave up her early years of life to give to her children. She taught me selflessness, how to honor and love your husband, and I'm nowhere near as good as her. Um, but. Uh, that she, uh, where am I? But she's a better at it than me anyway. Uh, she looks always looks amazing always I can use that word. She always looks amazing. The homes we've lived in have always been styled exceptionally and her cooking and hospitality is second to none. You never have to wonder where you stand with her. She speaks truth and love and has wisdom birthed in pain and developed in love. She is fun. She has taught me so much through her everyday living, most of which I know she would pass off as insignificant. I'm grateful for you, Mum. I'm grateful that you loved Dad and fought for him and beside him. You personified your marriage vows, and as your daughter, I couldn't be more thankful for your influence on my life. Now I feel so much happier having done that. <laughs> but I do. So this doesn't mean that we ignore the hard stuff, because the hard stuff um, has created, has developed who we are, and so that's re- the hard stuff is really important to look at. But it means finding someone safe that you can talk to, someone that you can rewrite, reframe, reshape, and assess some of your own self-talk. Assess what's going on. Assess the negative emotions. And catch the self-talk. Because it's there all the time. All the time. So this morning, um, I appreciate the fact that there are... Mums here in different capacities. There are mums, or there are people who are, who are wishing that they were mums. There are people here that are, are missing their mums because they're from, a, 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 you know, living in a different country. Um, there are people who haven't got their physical mums here with uh, them anymore, and so Mother's Day can bring a whole lot of different feelings and emotions with it. It's not just what I used to think of as this really great big happy day, but it does bring a whole heap of emotion. Um, and a whole different feel, depending on what you've walked through. So if you're a mum here today, regardless of what that looks like, um, I bless you, um, I thank you for the influence, um, I thank you for the love um, that you give uh, to the the many people that are around in your life. Um, And I just want to encourage you um, again in what Paul said. Summing it all up friends, I'd say you'll do Best by forf- by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Amen. Amen.